The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you. Some of you are like, you were gone? Where were you? Uh, if you missed last uh, last couple of weeks. So it's it's good to be back. I was uh, gone from church last three weeks. So just over three weeks ago on September 9th, our newest daughter, Emily, decided to make her entrance into the world two weeks early to our surprise and to Anthony's surprise when he got a phone call on Thursday being like, hey, you're preaching on Sunday because I'm going to be in the hospital. All right. So uh, so we are uh, we're glad and overjoyed um, that she's here. Baby and mom are both doing well. For those who are wondering, Emily was seven pounds, 13 ounces at two weeks early. So she's a, she's a big girl. She sleeps good, eats good, poops good, all the good things that babies are supposed to be doing to be growing. And so we're, we're so thankful. And I'm so thankful for, for Anthony and Ricky and Ben for preaching the last few weeks. They've been, um, you have been well fed as they've opened God's word um, together as we've been working our way through the book of Proverbs and looking at, at different themes from the book and the wisdom that it has for us in this life that God calls us to, how to live wisely in our world. We're gonna continue in that series this morning. If you have your Bibles in Proverbs, we're kind of gonna be in several different places, but the most verses are in Proverbs chapter 27, uh, but we'll jump throughout the book. We'll have all of those listed on the screen as we walk through them today, as we look at, at our study today in Proverbs well, about five to 10 years ago, there was this new phrase that kind of came into society. And it was a phrase that was invented by millennials. Now, we used to think of millennials as like the kids. Millennials are me. Like most millennials are now in their 30s. And it was a phrase invented by millennials and it was called adulting. Adulting, like all these things that happen when you finish college, like you like have to get up and go to work and like all these very difficult tasks. And there's lots of jokes and memes and funny videos made about the challenges of adulting. And they're kind of funny, but there's often some truth to it. And one thing that I've noticed over the last several years is as people have, have, have talked about this more and more, and, and the reality is true is that a lot of people have said, I didn't realize when I became especially an adult, how hard friendship would be, how hard friendships with other people would be. Sometimes friendships are a little bit easier when you're younger. When you're a little kid, you just kind of make friends with the people in your class and your friends' families, and, and you just kind of naturally make friends with your playmates around there. When you're in junior high and high school, friends are a huge part of your life. It's often how you differentiate yourself and find that uniqueness is the friends in which you surround yourself with, and then you go to college. But then once you're an adult, if you're an adult this morning, you're like, okay, so I need to, to work I'm supposed to have some hobbies. I'm supposed to work out. I'm supposed to eat healthy. If you're married, you should be spending time with your spouse. If you have kids, you should be spending time with your kids. And you're like, and you expect me to have friends. Where? When? Like, how, how is that possible? And so what, so what we've often done, because our lives are so full, is we've exchanged in our world often, we've exchanged friendship for connection with others. We've exchanged friendship for this surface level relationships with lots of different individuals because connections with other people are easy to control and it fits into our schedule. And the reality is in our world right now, we are the most connected of any people in the history of the human world. 
you through the device in your pockets and just through even the car you have and the ability to travel and meet people are the most, we are the most connected that any human has ever been in the history of the world. And we are also the loneliest people in the history of the world as well. So how is it that we are so connected, but we also feel so alone? I think a part of it is because we've changed and we've, we've experienced and exchanged, sorry, depth of relationship with people for just breadth. And a lot of us have lots of different things, lots of different people we know, but no one who really knows us and no one who we have a deep friendship and relationship with. And I think a part of this loneliness problem, a part of the solution to it, is what we're gonna look at this morning, is to look at friendship the way God envisions it in his word. Friendship the way that God envisions it. And so this morning in Proverbs, we're gonna be looking at themes of what it is to be a friend towards others. And, and the Bible speaks often of, of the, the importance of having friendships, the importance of relationships. When I think of the book of Proverbs, and the most important, the first verse that jumps straight and center to mind to me on friendships and how they are so important is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It's a well-known verse. It says this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This idea that in relationships, when they work well, that we are both pushing and growing, that, that we are developing in ways that we wouldn't on our own, that's only possible as we are doing life together with one another. The author of Ecclesiastes puts it this way. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken." And so the Proverbs are, are filled with this idea of that friendships, relationships are important to us, important to your lives. And this is something that's been looked at and, and talked about outside of just biblical circles. This is just a reality that's true, whether you're a Christian following Jesus or not, is that friendships have a significant impact on your life. There's a phrase that I, I can't find out exactly who started the phrase, but it's kind of a well-known phrase in our world now. And it's this, it's that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. This idea that, hey, if, if the five closest people in your life that you spend the most time with are to one thing, that is what you are becoming. If they are godly and mature and growing, that is what you will naturally be versus if they are the opposite, if they are toxic and unhealthy and immature, that is also the natural trajectory of your life. A common phrase talking about the importance of friendships, particularly to those who are younger, is this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So much of the future of people can be just looked at as to the company they keep when they are younger. It points to the trajectory of their lives. In fact, we're, we're so fascinated sometimes by this idea of friendship that colleges have actually done studies on the impact that people can have on those who are around them. And Northwestern University did a study a few years ago, which I just found fascinating. And they, they coined this term, I, I think they coined it, but they have this term in their study that they call the spillover effect of people on other, the spillover effect. 
And what they found is if you take a group of people in an office, a working environment, and you put a high performing individual and just sit them within 25 feet of everyone else, the productivity of everyone goes up by up to 15%. Nothing else but just sitting someone there. Why? Because they rise with this other person and just being in proximity. And then they put someone who's a low performing person in with them and the, the performance decreases by up to 30%. It's that people were rising with one and they were going down with another because the impact of other people in our lives is often very profound, whether we realize it or not. And our friendships, our relationships, the people that we have in our lives are extremely important. And it says a lot about us. Now, when the Proverbs talks about friendship, it's easy to think, okay, friendships, and it's easy to evaluate our friends and are they living up to what the Bible says, right? And so we're gonna go through some characteristics of a good friend. It's easy for you to be like, oh, well, this friend doesn't do that and this friend does do that, but they don't do that. But when the Proverbs talk about friendship, its focus is not on the kind of friends you have, but the kind of friend that you are to others, so think of it through that lens this morning as we're looking at the Proverbs, not the type of friends that people are to you, but the type of friends that you are to others. Because the reality is this, the truth is that the key to having good friends is to being a good friend in the first place. And if you find yourselves embodying these truths that Proverbs lays out, you will find that you will have good friends in return as you lean into these characteristics of good friendship as we see in the book of Proverbs. Where I outlined this morning is simple, three characteristics of a good friend. And the first is this, a good friend speaks the truth. A good friend speaks the truth. Proverbs chapter 27, verses five and six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I love that in, in verse six, faithful are the wounds of a friend, meaning this, that a friend is faithful and they will hit you with the hard truth that you need to hear in your life, whether you want to hear it or not. But profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's saying this, be cautious of people in your life that only offer you praise and compliments because they are not your real friends. If someone's in your life and they only have good things to say to you, they only ever compliment you, they never speak the truth into your life, they're not actually a friend because a friend is one who speaks the truth to others. A good friend tells someone else what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. Or as the phrase was said many years ago, which I like, a true friend stabs you in the front. <laughs> You've heard about, right? What does an enemy do? An enemy stabs you in the back, right? They, they see something about you and they tell someone else who tells someone else and eventually gets back to you and you're like, you betrayed me. But what does a good friend do? They walk up to you and you're like, hey, should I, this outfit looks great. I'm gonna go out and they go, you look horrible, change your clothes, right? Like that outfit does not look like, they speak the truth to you. They, they give it to you up front. They don't talk about you behind your back, but they say it to your face, Proverbs 27, verse nine, just a few verses later, says this, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Some, some translations call that his passionate counsel. Some say man's counsel is sweet to his friends. This idea of, of giving counsel, of giving feedback, of speaking the truth to others is characteristic of what a true friend actually does. 
Now, the obstacle, I think, to a lot of us in our own lives and speaking the truth to our friends and speaking the truth to others is that we all have this innate desire deep down within us to be liked and to have others approve of us. And I think we realized this as we were younger, perhaps for many of us, that like, yes, especially at some seasons of our life, but I think all of us have this desire. We want people to like us and we can, we can trick ourselves into this reality that, hey, if that's what I want. And so to be a good friend, actually, so-and-so, I probably should say this, but instead, I'm just gonna not say anything. I'm gonna say, compliment them. I'm gonna tell them what they wanna hear because that will help them to like me more and approve of me. And sometimes our friendships are actually built around us trying to achieve approval from others, not actually valuing them as a person. There is a danger in our lives if we do not have people around us who will speak the truth to us. There's a danger to you if you find yourself without a true friend who can speak the truth, if you are surrounded by yes men in your life who will only speak to you what what they know you want to hear. An example of this is found in that old fairy tale written, I think a couple hundred years ago called The Emperor's New Clothes. Many of you maybe know this story. For those of you who aren't familiar, I'll summarize it for you. So there's in this make-believe land, there's an emperor who lives in a city and he loves clothes. He loves fashion. And in come these two men who say, we make the most beautiful garments in the world. They're absolutely beautiful, but there's one catch, Mr. Emperor. And he's like, what's that? He's like, if you are a stupid fool, the clothes look invisible and you can't see them. But only those who are truly wise can see this clothes. Would you like us to make you something? The emperor says, of course I would. And so they go off and they start working in their shop, making this outfit. And the emperor goes in and he looks at the outfit they're making and he sees nothing. But he's like, I don't want people to think I'm a fool. So he compliments them on how great it looked. All of his other advisors and people in the court go in and look at this outfit that's being made. And they all, not wanting to offend the emperor, but like, oh yes, it looks fantastic. The day finally comes when they go and put on the emperor's clothes and he puts it on and he's so proud of himself, even though he can't see it, but he pretends that he can. And then because he's so proud of himself, he starts to make a parade around the city as he walks naked through the whole town for everyone to see this new cloak till finally as the fairy tale goes, there's a kid in the crowd who cries out, mom, why is he naked? And suddenly he realizes, he he keeps going on, but what did the emperor truly need in his life? What would have saved him all of the embarrassment? What did he really need? He needed one good friend. He needed one friend to be like, bro, you're naked. There's no clothes, right? It's all a myth. I will speak the truth to you. But all he had in his life were yes men who told him what he wanted to hear. See, we would want people to do this to us. And so as a good friend, we need to speak the truth to others in our lives. Yes, in grace, yes, in love, but yes, in truthfulness as well. When we see a friend walking in patterns of sin and destruction in their lives, do we say something or do we just let it go? When we see something come up, do do we have the courage to actually speak the truth to others or do we just hide behind, well, I don't wanna offend, I wouldn't wanna say anything and actually not speak the truth towards others. We would want in our lives, if we want to grow, we would want someone to speak those hard truths in love to us. And so what the gospel calls, what Proverbs calls us to is to do that towards others, to speak the truth to others. 
So the first characteristic of a good friend is they speak the truth. Second is this, a good friend remains loyal. A good friend is a loyal friend to others. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I think if this, the book of Proverbs are being written today, that this proverb would read something like this. A man of many Facebook friends and Instagram followers will come to ruin. A man of many LinkedIn connections and great networking skills will come to ruin. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, we've exchanged depth of relationships with breadth, and we have, oh, we have all these different things, many companions, but they don't actually stick with us. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, this, this saying, that last saying, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, would have been a shocking statement for them. Because in their culture, this was a very family-centric culture. You just didn't, when you finished high school, you just didn't move away and get married and move to the next town. No, you stayed with your family. Life revolved. Everything was about your family. And so this idea that there's even a friend that sticks closer than a brother would have been a shocking thing of loyalty of relationship to one another. Proverbs 20, verse six says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Faithfulness, loyalty is a rare thing indeed. Proverbs chapter 19, talking about this transitory nature of so many relationships, says this, many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All the poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? Meaning that man, if you are wealthy and you're able to give things to others, you'll find yourself with all sorts of friends in life, but you find yourself in poverty and suddenly you have no friends left at all, because oftentimes friends are only there in the good, but they leave in difficult and trying times, showing that they weren't true friends at all. See, most relationships that we have, which is just normal in life, most relationships that you have are somewhat transactional in nature. And what I mean by that is that you will do something for them and they will do something for you. There's a transaction that takes place in the dynamic of the relationship that you have with them. If you go out for brunch after church today, you will have someone who will bring your food. You will maybe learn their name. You will be nice to them. They'll be nice to you. Why? Because they are bringing you your food and you are hopefully giving them a generous tip. There is a clear transaction that is happening between. You wouldn't probably just walk up to that person if you're walking downtown and say hi to them, but you will talk to them. Why? Because there's a transaction happening between you. That's a common of lots of our relationships with our neighbors, oftentimes with our coworkers. It's the only reason that we know these people is because we're put on a project. We're having to work together. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that you need to try and be best friends in every relationship you have. That would be awkward, right? So, so don't do that. But... In this transactional relationships we find ourselves, it is easy to only invest in relationships in which give us direct benefit. 
It's easy to only invest, to spend time on relationships where we get a direct benefit from us spending time pouring into relationships with others. To be like, hey, I'm gonna spend time with this person because it'll help me in my career. I'm gonna spend time to this person because of the connections they have to this person. I'm gonna spend time with this person because of the access they could give. And it's easy to, to try and build relationships around what other people could give us. But a true friend, a good friend remains loyal and isn't in it for what they can get out of the relationship. Now, many years ago, um, my wife and I were, were, we had taken a personality test and we were reading through some of the descriptors of it. And I am kind of by nature, a task driven kind of type A type of person. And so I was reading through and some things I was like, oh yeah, that's true, that's true. And then one of them I got to, it was like, you you tend to like people and, and you will work well with them until they have no, no use for, excuse me, until you have no use for them anymore. And then you will discard them and move on. And I was like, that's not true at all. And my wife was like, well, and I was like, speaking speaking the truth to a friend, right? I was like, what? And she's like, well, you don't say it that way and you probably don't mean it that way. She's like, but so often you just say things like, well, I I don't keep in touch very well with people. I look forward to the future. I don't look back on the past. And we can phrase it a lot of different ways, but she was like, sometimes it kind of seems like, Maybe you do just kind of use people for seasons and then, and then move on to others. And it was one of those where, where it had to hit me because that reality is a temptation for a lot of us. And it certainly is for me. This sermon this morning, I'm preaching to myself. If there's this temptation, be like, yeah, I'll invest. I'll spend time with you as long as it gives me a benefit and impact. And then the moment that's done, adios. And we wouldn't say it that harshly, but the reality is sometimes that's how we treat the people in our lives. Now, for me, when I think of a loyal person and someone who is a friend towards others, I am blessed because when I think in the people in my life who I have seen, who is the most loyal friend to someone else, the first person that sticks out as the best example in my life of this is my wife. My wife, Kristen, is the most fiercely loyal friend towards others that I have ever seen in my life. And I remember years ago, Many years ago, there was a friendship that she had. And with, with this person, if you could have like been, if they would have sat down with you and been like, should I do this or this? And you would have said, go this way every time they went the opposite direction for a period of years. And it kind of brought about a lot of bad consequences in their life. And as a result of this, they were part of this friend group and they kind of started to fall away. And this person was sometimes hard to be around and at times kind of dysfunctional and needy and, and would kind of drain. And there was only, by, after a period of years, there was only one person who would actually go spend time with him. And who was it? It was my wife. And of course, me, I'm like, oh, you got no use for him. Move on, like find someone else, right? And so I'm like, why, why would you spend time, right? Because in my mind, I'm like, I don't get this. Why would you do this? Why would you spend time with someone? They, they kind of drain you. Sometimes it's difficult to be with them. Why would you still do that? And I'll, I'll never forget this. She said, you know, I hope what's happened, I, I hope my life doesn't go down the roads that hers has. But if by some chance it does, I would still want someone to stick by me. And I was like, that's what loyalty and friendship looks like. Is that this person didn't have any benefit to her. They weren't giving her anything. There was, no, there was no transaction at all taking place. But she's like, you know what? They need a friend because they've lost all their other ones. And I'm gonna be the one who stays and is loyal to them. See, a true friend is not there 
for what you can give to them or what you can get from them, but, but it's there so that you can be with them. It's not a transaction that takes place. It's, it's sticking with people. I think one of the challenges for us is to strive to have friends for life. However long that looks for you, strive to have friends for life. Too often in our transitory world, we'll have friends here for three years, friends here for five years, friends here for three. Strive to have friends for life, loyal friends who are by your side through the thick and thin for years, decades at a time. So a good friend remains loyal. Thirdly, a good friend loves sacrificially. A good friend loves sacrificially. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I love how in in the Bible and in the book of Proverbs, how we see how connected our lives in God's word, how connected our lives are supposed to be interdependent upon one another, not lived on our own. Do you catch that second phrase? A brother is born for adversity. What the Bible is saying is this, God created you and he gifted and developed and made you in mind, placed you on this earth in the relationships you have, not just to withstand the hardships and difficulties of your life, but he placed you so that you could be in someone else's life to support them in their hardship. You were born to help someone else in their adversity and difficulty. And God calls us, the Proverbs call us to love at all times, to love sacrificially. Now, to love someone at all times, to love someone in adversity will cost us something. It will cost you something. Sometimes it will literally cost you money. It will certainly cost you time. It'll cost you energy, emotional energy, physical energy. To love sacrificially to a friend will cost you something. And for many of us, this is the biggest obstacle to friendship in our life because simply put, friendship is often inconvenient. Friendships are often inconvenient. They demand our time. They demand our attention. And we as a culture and as people are obsessed with convenience. We want everything in life to be convenient. Admit it, you were on the internet yesterday and you didn't buy that thing because it wasn't two-day shipping. And you're like, I don't want to wait four days for it, right? Like we, we love convenience in our worlds and friendships are extraordinarily at times inconvenience. To love sacrificially is not a convenient thing. It takes, it pulls from us. And for many of us, when we think of, of having and being a good friend towards others, what we actually need to do is we need to step back because we've not made space in our lives for relationships with others. We've over-busied our lives with other things. And so we can't, be, we can't fathom the inconvenience of a friend needing to call or a friend needing help last minute because we could never fit that into our schedules. It just shows that we've so valued ourselves. We've missed those relationships with others and showing that we will set aside our lives to love others sacrificially. So for some, maybe it's making space, reorganizing your life if need be to prioritize space and time for relationships and friendships with others. I'm very thankful that many, many years ago, over a decade ago, my wife and I decided that in our lives, we were gonna make time for this. And we joined a small group where I was at. We were part of the same small group for over a decade. And over that time, those people became very, very dear friends 
to us. I was back in Chicago a couple months ago where we lived for many years, and I've only made time to see a few people. One of the groups that I went to see was our old small group because they have meant and they still mean so much to us. When we moved here last summer, we wanted to make friendships and relationships still a priority. And so one of the things that we started right away is my wife and I joined a community group. I don't lead it. We're just a part of it. It's friends, it's relationship, because I recognize in my life, one of the most spiritual formation things that's ever happened to me is being in close relationship with other believers for years at a time and watching them and seeing them and having blessed to see them walk beside me in my struggles and being able to be them in their hard times, difficulties has been such a benefit to me. But it's cost something. It's made sacrifices. I don't want to give up a weeknight all the time. I'm busy. I would sometimes rather do other things. Sometimes right now, I don't get to watch football on Thursdays because I got to go to community group. It's little sacrifices sometimes, right? But there's things that you have to set aside sometimes to value others. And to value relationships sometimes means we set aside something else to love sacrificially those who are around us. So friendships, a good friend is loyal. A good friend speaks the truth. A good friend loves sacrificially. Now, some of you are, are here this morning and you're kind of like myself, where I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm preaching this to myself this morning. You see this and you're like, I need to still work on this. Like, I need to work on getting better at this. I need to work on, on speaking the truth. I need to work on staying loyal. I need to work on making space in my life. That's where, where I so often am when it comes to these themes in my life. Is, man, this is a reminder for me and where I need to grow. For some of you, you, you read this and you hear this and you're like, man, I am blessed. Because some of you this morning are significantly blessed that you can look at your life and you're like, I have people like this in my life. And that is such a huge blessing if you have people in your life who are loyal to you, who love you sacrificially, who speak the truth into you and your family's life. That is such a huge, huge blessing. But undoubtedly for some of us this morning, we see these characteristics of a friend and we're like, I don't have anyone like this. That you talk about a friend being loyal, like I could show you a list of all the people who abandoned me who left me in my adversity, who didn't love me in my difficulty. I could show you a laundry list of those people. I could show you the people who didn't speak the truth to me, but instead lied and insulted and stabbed me behind my back, not in front of me. And sometimes it's hard because we're like, man, when it comes to friendships like this, I've, I've never had that type of person in my life. But the reality is that if we are followers of Jesus this morning, even if you feel alone and like you've never had a friend like this, you actually have. And, and thinking about this idea that a good friend is loyal, speaks the truth and loves you sacrificially. For me, it so brings to life when Jesus says these words in the gospel of John chapter 15. When Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Talking about sacrificial love. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus speaks the truth to us. He sees us in our sin and he speaks the truth to us, but he also sees who you are in Jesus. And in his word, he speaks the truth to you about the worth and value and dignity and life that you have in Jesus. Jesus is loyal to you if you are his friend, if you are a follower of Jesus. He is loyal to you. Everyone else may have abandoned you, 
Jesus never has, and he never will. And the greatest one who's ever loved you sacrificially is Jesus himself, because he literally died so that he could have a friendship, a relationship with you. As we end our service this morning, thinking of this idea that Jesus is a friend to all of us, it reminds us again of the cost of that, of what Jesus did, the sacrificial love that he went to the cross. And see, friendship is not just a convenient thing, a nice thing, a bonus to our lives if we have it. When we think of it this way, that friendship is loyalty, loving sacrificially and speaking the truth, friendship, Christian friendship is actually a way that we embody the gospel to the world. Christian friendship should be how we actually live out Jesus because if Jesus is a true friend to us and if we live into these characteristics, what we actually are doing is we are, we are showing the gospel to the people around us because that's how Jesus has been a friend to us. That's how Jesus has loved us. God, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus has loved us so much that he came and he offered his life so that we could know you so that we could have a relationship with you. God, for those of us who are here this morning and we're feeling challenged, would you, would you give to us what we need to work on this week, to remain loyal, to speak the truth, to love? God, may, may we prioritize others and not ourselves. May we lean into relationships with others more and more and push ourselves and our own wants, our own selfishness to the side, we pray. God, for those of us this morning who find ourselves feeling lonely, and abandoned. May we find hope again this morning, holding on to the truth that you have never left us alone. That even when we have walked through the darkest things that we've ever experienced, you have been there with us and you will always be there with us. And we praise and worship you that you are a friend to us in every season of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.